Awesome. Thanks so much, Josh. I appreciate you, brother. Man, it's a privilege to be here at North Central, one of the greatest universities in all the country, right? Come on. Uh, I just love what's happening here. I love my good friend, President Hagan, and so many others that are on staff here. And uh, it's a privilege, as uh, Josh was saying. Uh, I'm going to call you Pastor Josh. Is that okay? Uh, as Pastor Josh was saying, I get a chance to serve uh, in various capacities. One of those is at my church. I love my church, Emmanuel, as the staff evangelist. And I also lead an organization called AMI. And we just get a chance to go around the world and reach unreached people groups through strategic opportunities and outreaches. And, man, we're, we're just thrilled that we can be a part of God's plan. And serve in some other capacities, but today I'm just excited to speak to those of you who are here. And uh, man, I want to share something from God's word in 2 Kings, the book of 2 Kings. And listen, I want to talk to all of you. I know many of you are here. You got a call on your life for ministry and vocation. I know you got a call on your life for business or some other arena of the world. And man, I just want to speak to each and every one of your areas of opportunity. But most importantly, I want you to know, my friends, that God really intends for you to be successful and fruitful. And today we're going to look at this man named Naaman in the Bible, because as we unpack his story, I want you to see some principles that I believe you can carry as students. I remember being in your place in your shoes at once in point of time. And I went to a school full of heathens. Come on, somebody. Uh, you guys got the extra grace Christian school. And so uh, I, I'm so thrilled as to what God's going to speak to you. So let's just read Second Kings chapter five. And it's on your screen as well. Verse seven through 14. NIV says this. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he had sent this message to him. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go wash yourself Seven times in the Jordan River and your flesh will be restored and cleansed. Come on. How many of you know that's a crazy prescription for healing? Oh, man. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out and call on the name of the Lord, his God, wave his hands over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abena and Pafar? The rivers of Damascus better than the waters of Israel. Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something, some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became cleansed like that of a young boy. Man, I just want to talk to you for the moment that we have about this, a prescription for success, a prescription for success. Today, I have something in my hand. What is it? Can you see it from up top? Can you see it? Can you see it down low? I've got something in my hand. Who can guess it today? Come on, blurt it out. You're smart students. Can you see it? I hear, oh, I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. It is. It's a prescription. 
It's a prescription. It's interesting. It's interesting, though, because when I think about this prescription, friends, many of us have had it at some point in time of our life. And we often tend to think of a prescription in the negative sense, but we forget that it also has a positive side to it. The positive side of a prescription is prescribed by a doctor for you to lead you on a treatment to be healthy. But we often tend to lean toward the negative thoughts and the sides of a prescription. Man, this is difficult. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to take this medicine. I don't want to go to treatment. But it's so interesting how this parallels even to Naaman's story because Elisha had given him this prescription to go be healed, but it was his thought patterns that he almost missed it. It was the thoughts that he had, and we're going to unpack those here in a moment. But I want to give you a little backdrop on this story. You see, Naaman was this commander of Israel's army. Indeed, at that time, possibly the most powerful army in the world. And he was a leading accomplished commander in this army. But he had this disease called leprosy. And leprosy could be painful. It could be dreadful. And it often at times led to death. And Naaman had this disease that he was plagued by, even in the midst of his accomplishments. And so he sought out this prophet of God, this man of God that he heard named Elisha, the prophet. And he went toward him and he went with chariots and horses, his whole entourage. He had his whole crew with him and he showed up at his door like, hey, come on out, man of God. I need to be cleansed. But Naaman was highly disappointed when he found out the reality that Elijah would never come out to him. He actually sent his little assistant to attend And gave him this prescription for success to be healed. And today, that's what I want to talk to you about. Because as we unpack Naaman's story, I want you to see his thought patterns that you and I actually need to avoid and act in in reality to be successful. We have to look at Naaman and God can show us these principles in this story that you and I, as people that are chasing after God, as people that may be seeking God, as people that want to go into business, as people that want to go into ministry, as people that want to go into some type of vocation, what we're centering God around us, we have to be able to look at some of the things that Naaman did because it almost caused him to miss being whole and successful. One of the things that I want to share with you today, friends, is entitlement. Come on, everybody say entitlement. Entitlement. Oh, entitlement will kill you. I love this because we can see the entitlement in Naaman's story. Verse 11, it, it, it clearly shows us he's, he, he's basically thinking in his mind, I'm the commander of the army. I'm, I'm one of the most powerful men in the world. You need to come out and see me, dude. You need to come out and see me, man. I've come from afar to to visit you. I brought my chariots. I brought my boys. I brought my servants. Come on. You need to come out and see me and name and have this entitlement. And entitlement, my friends, is when something is expected rather than appreciated. We all can have entitlement. And this entitlement almost led Naaman to miss his healing. Abraham Lincoln says it so well. He says, you have to do your own growing no matter how tall your grandfather was. (laughs) Come on. Entitlement mentality, my friends, I'm telling you, it will destroy you because you'll have this mentality of being expecting and expecting things regardless of how you got there, regardless of who gave it to you. You will be expecting things rather than appreciating things. And so I'll give you this cure for entitlement. Have more gratitude. 
have more gratitude. But the other thing that I, I want to share with you is this, a microwave mentality. What do I mean by that? We see very clearly Naaman wanted the quick solution. He says, why, why, why didn't he just come out and he just wave his hand over me and, and lay his hands and call on the name of the Lord and I'll be healed right then and here? He wanted the quick solution, friends, and this plagues us all. We live in a microwave world right now where you can put things in the microwave and they can be nuked to, 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 to instantaneously and you can have your food and we live our lives that way. But one of the things about a microwave is that actually when you put food in it and you nuke it, it loses the nutrients that was originally in it. And so Naaman had this microwave mentality. I love what Proverbs 19 and 2 says. It says this, desire without knowledge is good and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. You see, Benjamin Franklin said it this way, haste makes ways. And when we try to speed the process up that God has for our life, we can remind it of the children of Israel. They were so focused on this promised land that they didn't actually submit to the progress in order to the process in order to make progress to get to the land. And so, friends, they were unwilling to submit to this process that God wanted to take them through so that they can trust him, so that he can build their faith and so that they can depend on him. And he really would wanted to be their God. But they were so focused on the promise that they missed the process. And so that's this microwave mentality that even Naaman had. And so I wanted to just remind you of that. That's something that we need to avoid as people let alone people that would be following God. The other thing I love that we see here is that Naaman had some assumptions. So as people that are seeking God, searching for God, wanting to submit to his plan for our life, friends, we've got to rid our assumptions. In, in, in verse 12, A and B, I just want to go back to reflect that. He says, are not Abana and Pafar the rivers of Damascus better than the, the, all, all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I just wash in those and be cleansed? See, Elijah had told him, hey, go to the Jordan, which was known at that time as probably one of the most dirtiest rivers. He says, man, how could, how could I dip in this river and be cleansed? I'm assuming in my mind that those rivers are better than that river. I'm, making, I'm assuming, I know, as a matter of fact, that that river is one of the cleanest in all of Israel. Why go over here? You see, Naaman had these assumptions, my friends, and he assumed certain things about the solution. He assumed his way about the solution. And I've heard some people say this way, assumptions are the lowest form of knowledge. Proverbs 18:2 it says this, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. You see, people that express wisdom and apply wisdom, we, we, we seek to get an understanding before first wanting to be understood. We seek to know the situation. We seek those things out versus just giving our opinion first, because the Bible calls people like that foolish. And so we've got to rid 
our assumptions. As you want to be successful in life, you want to be healthy emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally. We've got to begin to not only get rid of this entitlement in our minds and get rid of this microwave mentality. We've got to also rid our assumptions. But it continues to go on. The story gets so good. Oh, man. I love this thought. I love this thought. Justice isn't always ideal. Justice. You see, Naaman here, he thought his form of justice should have happened the way he envisioned it to happen. He thought that, man, because I'm coming to get healed and I know that there's this man in Israel named a prophet and I've heard that he does great things. And so I'm envisioning how my ideal would be that he would heal me. And it's oftentimes that in our own lives, even in this world that we're living in today, we have this heart for justice. We have this passion for justice. But we sometimes can forget that justice isn't always our ideal. I love what the scripture says in Psalms 9 and 7. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice. Goes on in Psalms 103 and 6, it says, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Friends, it lets us know that God is the one who brings justice. He has the ideal. And so for us as people that would follow him and serve after him, sometimes we want judgment for something that we actually can't give it for. And we want to be able to seek that justice in the ideal that we choose to seek it. But God says in his word, friends, that he is the God of justice. He brings justice. He brings the right judgment in his timing, in his way. And so we as followers of Jesus and those that are seeking to follow him, we have to understand that justice isn't always ideal. But God knows the right justice. He knows how it should come about. He knows the timing of it. And the last thing I want to share with you today is this thought pattern that Naaman had really of isolation. Isolation. It's a big thing for you as college students. College is a great place for community. So I love, I love, even when I think back in college, and I played sports at a high-level university, and it was so fun because I got to be with people from every walk of life, different races and ethnicities, different socioeconomic classes, just all kind of different people. It was so diverse. And one of the things I loved about being in college is that I didn't have to be in isolation. That was one of the reasons why I came is because I, I longed for the community. And the reality of it is God has made all of us that way. He's made us that way to be in communion with each other. He was that way in the beginning. It was God, the father and the son who helped create the earth. The, the Trinity is another example of God in community. And he aspires for us to be in community, not only with him, but with one another, friends. And, and, and Naaman here, he's struggling with these thoughts of isolation because he became his own echo chamber. What do I mean by that? He, his own thoughts were circulating in his own mind. But it was so good that Naaman had people around him because I want to tell you this, right relationships matter. 
Right relationships matter. You see, Naaman was processing these things and the Bible tells us he just got mad and angry and he walked away. And if he had not had servants to say, my father, my father, just listen one more time. If he told you to do something great, you said you do it. But isn't that the same thing if you go and dip seven times and be cleansed? You see, Naaman had people around him that was not afraid to call things out of him. Naaman had people around him that was not afraid to keep him accountable. And friends, I want to tell you this. Right relationships matter in your life if you want to be successful. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us so clearly in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. What am I saying to you today, North Central? And God has a prescription for your life. He wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to be successful. He wants you to abide in him, which is where all the fruit and the success comes from. But if we don't begin to think about our thought patterns of am I entitled? Do I expect more than I appreciate? Do I have a microwave mentality? Do I want to speed up the process of things? Huh? Do do, do I have this this mentality where I'm assuming the negative rather than the positive? These are great thoughts, friends, that we can learn from Naaman, that God would invite us to apply these principles to our own lives as we begin to follow him. Why? Because he wants us to be successful. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to be healthy. And God didn't create you for you to be a mess. He created you so that he could show his miracle working power through you to the world that is a mess. And so I want to pray with you today. As I wrap up here, I want to pray that you would begin to discern God's plan for your life, regardless if that's you being a businessman, a woman, a politician, a doctor, a lawyer, a a pastor, a church planner, a missionary, regardless of what it is. I want you to know, friends, that God has a prescription for your life. And if you are willing to seek him, if you are willing to do the hard work and allow him to shift your thinking, because the Bible tells us whatever I saw a man think of that he is. And so your behaviors are guided by your thoughts. And your thoughts are governed by your beliefs. And so I want to challenge you. How are you viewing God? How are you seeing God, the God of the Bible, and that he's forming your beliefs? How are you how are you seeing him? How is he transforming you? How is he ridding your assumptions? How is he working on your 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 entitlement? How is he helping you to get rid of the microwave mentality? How is he helping you to have the right relationships around you so that you're not in isolation? God wants to do that for you. But are you willing to do the hard work? So let me pray for you. You pray for you. If you're here, you would say, man, Will, you mentioned those five things on that list. And if I could be honest with you and God today in this room, I'm struggling with maybe one or two of those or several of them. If that was you, just come on, lift your hand real quick. That's you. Come on. Amen. Amen. Transparency. We don't have no super safe Christians up in here. Come on. I love it. We got to be transparent with God. Let me just pray for you right now. That's you. Father, I thank you for those that have just submitted to themselves, submitted to you, Lord, and submitted themselves to you by just lifting their hand to indicate this is an area of their life where they want to rid these things because they know that you have a prescription for success in their life. And Naaman is a great example for us to look at these things and avoid so that we can truly be fruitful indeed. 
And so, Father, I pray for each and every one of my friends here today that lifted their hands, even those that struggle to lift their hands, but know internally that there are some things that they're yet dealing with that you would want to shape and mold and rid them of, God. I pray that in this next semester that has begun, Father, that you would help them to grow into the image and the conformity of Jesus Christ. I pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the dark areas in their life, Lord, as you told us, Lord, to cast off those things that that easily beset us and that entangle us. Lord, I pray that they would recognize that your grace is sufficient for them. And I pray, Jesus, that they would understand that you really do indeed have a plan for their life. But you've given them the responsibility to own it. And so I pray, God, in this journey, as you would begin to show them that prescription fruitfulness and success in their life. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen.